episode 91. Holy crap. Getting really close to the old 100 mark. As a reminder, episodes 98 and 99 are going to be best of episodes. Basically the best of the last 50 episodes leading up to the 100th episode. So hopefully you will find that enjoyable. I do want to give everyone a quick update based on last week's episode where I discussed my battle with trying to kill all these big freaky spiders in my garage that were multiplying at an alarming rate. At the time of recording the episode, I was several days past when I had last seen a spider, so I felt pretty confident that I'd done a good job of eradicating the spiders. I was wrong. In just the last 48 hours, I have killed four more spiders in the same area, big ones, and two of those spiders were camping out on the inside part of the door so that if I were to open the door into the house from the garage and one of them jumped or dropped off, it would now be in the house. So I don't know if they're seeking revenge because that's not normally where they would hang out. So hopefully I have now eradicated the last of the spiders, but I'm just going to assume now. Speaking of spiders and creepy stuff, I have decided just like with last year with Thanksgiving where I completely canceled Thanksgiving and did nothing, let the kids go off and do their thing with their mom and with their boyfriend and girlfriend's families. I also did not put up a single Christmas decoration. And normally with Halloween, like I'm super crazy. I'm sure if any of you are routine listeners, you heard the story last year where Jeffy took a tumble setting up the spider webbing over the front door of my house. I mean, I go all out. I've got probably 500 plus dollars worth of Halloween decorations. That's a lot. But now that my kids don't live at home and I never have company over, kind of thinking not going to put up any Halloween decorations this year. Just doesn't seem to make any sense. Why decorate a house just for myself? That's just a lot of work to put the shit up, a lot of work to take the shit down. And who knows if anyone on the planet for even 30 seconds would actually enjoy any of the work that I've done. So I'm going to be a bit of a humbug with Halloween this year and I ain't gonna do shit which kind of sucks because I love Halloween but like I said it's just it's not worth the effort and I certainly don't want to take another tumble like I did last year putting up webs for nobody I assume that I will be doing the same thing for Christmas this year not gonna put up a single thing I mean I don't I'm not Christian I don't celebrate the holiday in that regard and the kids aren't here and they're adults so what is the friggin point so a quick side note I don't know if this has to do with the changing of the season or me having a series of strokes over the last couple weeks. But as I drive around and I have my windows open a lot, because this is the perfect time of the year to just drive around with your windows open, get a nice breeze. And I love the smell of fresh cut grass. And I live in a relatively rural area. So there's a lot of big fields that are, when they're cut, I mean, it kicks up a lot of smell of fresh cut grass because it's a lot of area that was just cut. For some reason, though, over the last several weeks, the majority of the time, that I'm smelling fresh cut grass, it smells more to me like cinnamon than fresh cut grass. I don't know if anyone else has ever put the correlation together between the smell of fresh cut grass and cinnamon. I don't know if perhaps it's a certain type of field or a certain type of grass that is being cut down out in these rural areas and that grass kicks up a different aroma when it's cut. I don't know. But if you're around fresh cut grass anytime here at the end of summer and early parts of fall, I want you to ask yourself, does this remind me of cinnamon? Or if not, go ahead and just shoot me a tweet or a message on Facebook to politely let me know that I am having a series of strokes. Isn't anybody going to help that poor man? One more quick update that I want to give you. Not really an update. It's just something that happened last week that I want to mention. And also for my diehard listeners.
listeners, you'll know that I recently put out an episode, I don't know, in the last two or three months, called Scams, Freebies, and Freeloaders, I believe was the title. And the reason I bring up that episode is because someone attempted to scam me just a handful of days ago. So this guy that I've known for years, I mean, I haven't seen him in ages, but he used to work at a World of Beer location where my band would play like at least once a month at that location. And he was one of the managers there. So I knew him very well. And we played there routinely, like I said, multiple times a month for years. So I got to see this guy a lot. And then now that World of Beer stopped doing live music and now that the band is not together, I just haven't seen this guy. And he doesn't even work at World of Beer anymore. He works for a beer distributor here locally. So I haven't seen him in ages. But because we had such an extensive history, we were friends on Facebook and on Instagram. And a couple weeks ago, I don't remember if it was Instagram or Facebook, but I saw him post something and it was a picture of like a screenshot from his phone that said Cash App has just deposited $10,000 into your account from Bitcoin mining. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what Cash App is. And that's cool. I mean, shit. And I looked at the comment because I was curious that apparently he had put like a $500 investment in and within a very short period of time, he had seen a $10,000 return. And then, of course, other comments of people going, bro, what the hell? Is this for real? And him, you know, giving the little 100 type of things. And, you know, I just kind of brushed past it. It wasn't anything I was going to pursue. But then within the last week, I get a direct message from him on Instagram saying, hey, I'm going to deposit $1,000 into your Cash App account. What's your Cash App name? This is a giveaway I'm doing, and it's only for four random people, and you're one of those random people. And I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe this is a pay it forward type of thing. Maybe the stuff that he's got going on with Cash App and Bitcoin or whatever that is, that part of getting that deposit means you have to, you know, turn around and randomly do some giveaway for other people. And I expected, you know, if he does deposit a thousand into my account, that there's probably going to be some reciprocation on my part to do something similar or just in a smaller amount. But still, I'm like, shit, a thousand dollars? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Player. Player. Big dick player. Swinging past your knees. But I don't have a Cash App account. Well, I didn't, so I hurriedly go and sign up for Cash App, which is free. It's just a way to send money like Venmo or Zelle. And I send him my new username for Cash App. He then sends back a screenshot of my Cash App screen with my name and says, just confirm this is you. And I said, it is. And he said, all right, hold on. So now I'm sitting there like, holy shit, am I about to have $1,000 just gifted to me by this dude I haven't seen in years? Then the scam started to kick in. He was like, all right, I'm going to make the deposit, but I'm going to send you an email address for the company I work for, and I just need you to add it to your Instagram account. I'm like, how do you add an email to your Instagram account? And he sends me this Gmail account, which already little shady. And I sent back a reply. I'm like, what do you mean add an email? Are you asking me to put this company email account into my actual profile email, which would be handing over ownership of my Instagram account to whoever has this email address? And since Instagram and Facebook are linked, I would assume that person would then have the ability to take over my Facebook account as well. And he didn't really reply, at least not specifically to that question. Instead, he was like, yeah, I just need you to add this, go into this account settings, profile and then plug this email address in and then send me the confirmation once that's been done and then I'll go ahead and they'll know who they're processing the payment to and I'm thinking well I already sent you my cash app account you know who I am why do I need to 
do this? Why do I need to potentially hand ownership of my Instagram account over to some random email address? And at this point, it was all sinking in. This shit ain't on the up and up. And he was starting to get pushy with his emails, like just constant, like, can you do that? Can you do that for me? Let me know when it's done. Can you do that? Let me know when you finish. Send me a confirmation. Finally, I just replied, how do you know me? And he replied, why would you ask me that? And then followed that up with, God, it's been so long, I don't even remember. Do you remember? And I replied, yeah, that's what I thought. You've apparently scammed my friend out of his Instagram account, and you're now using it to scam other people. I will be reporting this account to Instagram immediately. So unfortunately, I'm guessing that my friend at some point in the last month or so had both his Facebook and his Instagram accounts hacked, probably using the same technique. And that would explain why the little thing that he posted about getting $10,000 from Bitcoin mining, that wasn't him. That was whoever had stolen his account trying to fish people in to steal more accounts. Nice try, asshole. I immediately blocked that account. So I have no idea if Instagram took any action based on the fact that I reported it as being a scam and fraudulent, but hopefully they did something. All right, before getting to today's topic, let me quickly remind you, you can go follow me on social media at Jeff Becomes Jeff on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Would love to have some of you come follow me. Give me some feedback. Give me some show ideas. I need it. So as I've pointed out on a recent episode, I am currently actively looking for new employment a little more closely aligned with my background. In fact, tomorrow morning, I have a third and final interview with a company. I'm hoping it's more of a formality. And hopefully by the time this episode is released next Monday, I have been given an offer. And shit, who knows? Maybe I'll even start next Monday. Who knows? Not going to count my eggs. They haven't hatched yet. (laughs) But it seems pretty promising. However, because of all the stuff I've been going through with interviews and sending resumes and things like that, I thought it might be appropriate to do a episode related to employment or more specifically, interesting or weird or odd jobs. Also, the fact that a lot of jobs that don't exist anymore because of the advancements in technology and just general progress of society or on the flip side, jobs that exist today that never would have existed before due to an advance in progress and technology. And a lot of the jobs that, you know, I'm going to tell you I consider to be odd jobs, well, they only seem odd because we no longer have a need for that type of stuff. Back then, probably didn't seem so odd. But really quick, before getting to some of these jobs, I want to point out that there was a study around 2018 that I found that determined that by around 2030, more than 800 million people are going to have lost their jobs due to automation. So this technology and all that stuff, yeah, it's helpful and it's nice, but sooner or later, it's going to start leaving less opportunities for the human worker to be useful because these machines, these computers, these robots, all of this shit can do things more efficiently, more quickly, and more reliably than us. They also don't need health insurance, paid time off. So we'll start with some jobs, and I'm sure I'm going to leave a bunch out. These were just the ones that kind of off the top of my head, but jobs that are no longer 
really around because of advancements in technology and general societal progress. And most of these are things that, you know, have changed in just maybe the last 20, 25 years. The first one, you know, it goes back a little further than that, but gas station attendance. So there was a time when you pulled up to a gas station that someone would come out, they would pump your gas for you, they would clean your windshield, they would check your oil. But, you know, now all of a sudden the whole thing of self-service and automation, that's pretty much an extinct job. I'm sure there's maybe some small towns that still use gas station or service attendance, but I haven't pulled into a gas station pretty much in my entire life where I've ever seen that happen. Cashiers, we're seeing cashiers start to fall by the wayside. Yes, we still have cashiers in many retail locations, but you're starting to see this whole self-scan, self-checkout, or even with like the local grocery stores where you can just order your shit online, you pull up, you park in a designated spot, someone comes out with a big cart full of all your shit, they load it into your vehicle, and you leave. You don't have to deal with a cashier, you paid online. Very similar to things like DoorDash or Uber or things where you're not interacting with someone whose sole job is to collect payment and issue change, which again, another thing that is more irrelevant because it is more unlikely, I'm sure, that most people would pay in cash than just using a card or a watch or a phone. I'm sure the industry of customer service and customer service specialists, that's probably dwindled a lot due to chat bots and live chat or rather FAQs. So a lot of times if you want to go get an answer to something, you'll go to their website, you'll type your question, and unless they simply can't help you with their database of shit, you're going to get the answer you need and figure out what you need to do. Sometimes even going so far as to actually do things like making payments without ever speaking to somebody that's not just an artificial intelligence or a chatbot. Hello, my name is Jeff. I am happy to help you with your inquiry. First, please rate your experience with BigBlackCox.com on a scale of no pleasure to explosive orgasm. Please wash your hands before entering your response. And I'm sure over time, we're going to see the need for customer service representatives dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. Same thing would apply to like bank tellers or loan officers. And I know this because at my last job, I was in the financial industry for over 10 years. And with the development of online banking, mobile banking, online loan applications, automated decisioning rules and decisioning engines for loan approval, so much of this stuff can be done transfer funds. I mean, think of an ATM. You don't need to go to a teller and wait in line to get money out. You don't need to do that to deposit money or deposit a check. Shit, nowadays you don't even need to go to a branch to deposit a check. You just take a picture of it with your app and bam, your money is in your account. They never even see the actual paper check. So the actual physical human interactions in the financial industry and especially like banks and credit unions, that has changed a lot and it's going to continue to change even more as the technology improves. Here's a fun one. Video store employees. Anybody under the age of like 30 is like, what's a video store? Well, kids, back in the day, before Netflix and Redbox and all of that, if you wanted to rent a movie, you had to go to a store like a Blockbuster and pay a fee to rent the movie for usually it was like, you know, 24 to 48 hours. That's pretty much all the time you had. And boy, was that a racket when you didn't return that movie on time because now it was just late fees, late 
late fees, late fees, building up, building up, building up to the point where you're like, well, shit, at this point, I might as well just keep the movie because I've already paid for it in late fees. But when a new movie would come out for rent, there would always be a bunch of copies of those new movies when they came out because they knew there was going to be a rush of people wanting to come get that movie to watch it while it was new. And if you didn't get there early enough, well, you're shit out of luck. There's only so many physical copies. And then you got to, okay, I'll try back tomorrow. And then you have to hope people actually returned their movie on time so that you could then be the next person to rent it. So the whole career or employment of a video store employee or manager or whatever, that is completely, completely extinct. Here's a weird one that doesn't really have to do with technology, but due to medical progress is a job that's no longer needed. But before it was no longer needed, it was a weird job. It is what's called a fluffer. So for those of you who don't know, a fluffer was a person, I can't say is anymore, but was a person whose job on the set of a porn movie was to keep the male actors erect while there was downtime or in between takes. The fluffer role was actually considered to be a part of the makeup department, which is just weird. Gonna put a little rouge right here on the tip of your penis. Don't mind me, I'm just a makeup artist. I hope you find this arousing. But nowadays with Viagra and all of that shit, there's no fluffer needed dudes will just pop a pill and they're good for four hours or whatever so those are some jobs that no longer exist or are starting to massively dwindle in numbers due to societal progress or technology so now let's go way back into the past let's look at really old historical jobs that were just really weird or they're going to seem weird to us now but back then maybe they weren't so weird so one job in the primarily 1700s and 1800s was a leech collector so it was pretty common back then from a medical perspective to leech people when they would have an ailment. And oftentimes they would just end up killing the patient by bleeding them to death. But it was believed that oh, I can fix this. I'm going to put leeches all over you and they're going to suck the sickness out of you. Probably very similar to the whole thing with, you know, like chiropractors thinking they could fix everything with spinal adjustments. I mean, I still think that's a bunch of bullshit too. Yet somehow that has managed to stick around today. But leech collectors back in the day, the best way that they would collect leeches. This is kind of messed up. They would take horses and lead the horses into the water and then let them stand there for a while, then pull the horse back out and then remove the leeches that were affixed to the horse's legs. In the event that the leech collector did not own a horse, then they would just use their own legs. Now, this took me down a little bit of a rabbit hole as far as like, well, how exactly do you remove a leech? And for the most part, what I found out is a leech has like a mouth on one end, and that's what they use to extract the blood. Now, they're very kind before they start sucking your blood. I am Dracula. And they inject essentially like an anesthesia into your skin so that you don't feel them biting and sucking you. So that's nice. They're wanting to keep the experience pain free, but that also allows them to drink your blood longer without you even realizing that they're on you. The messed up thing that they do after they put the anesthesia in you and start sucking your blood is they then inject an anticoagulant into your system so that your blood flows a lot more freely. So after you remove a leech, because of the anticoagulant, 
that it has put in your system, you could bleed pretty profusely from a leech bite or suck or whatever for days after you remove that leech. Now, you can remove the leech by kind of pressing down on the head and wiggling with like a fingernail or a credit card and it'll let go. However, a lot of people say if you want, you can just wait about 20 minutes and then the leech will just basically finish its meal and it will drop off on its own. So it's up to you if you want to be nice and let the leech finish its meal. Fuck that leech. I ain't your golden corral buffet, you piece of shit. So another weird old job was what it was called a knocker up or a knocker upper. And no, this was not somebody whose job it was to get people pregnant, which you might think based on the term knocked up. But actually back in the day before there were alarm clocks, people had no way of being able to make sure that they woke up on time. So they hired people that would go around and either using like long bamboo sticks or like a pea shooter, they would tap on the person's bedroom window or shoot at it with little peas to effectively wake that person up at a time they needed to be awake. From what I found, this was primarily used in the 1800s in Britain and Ireland, but from what I could tell, also in parts of Britain, there were still people that were going around being employed as knocker-uppers into the mid-1900s, so not that long ago. Another old job would be computers. No, not the machines. These were actual people, and their job title was a computer, and they would do exactly what you think they do. Their job was to convert figures into crunch numbers, kind of what computers do today, but we didn't have computers to do it, so we had to use humans. Usually it was women that filled a lot of these roles, and then around the 1970s, once real computers started to come onto the scene, the machines... The people computers started to be replaced. Back before the refrigeration era, we had milkmen and ice cutters because you didn't have a way to make ice in your home. So people would have to actually cut ice from like sheets of ice off the top of a lake and then deliver it to you. And I don't know how you would keep it cold very long, but that was a job. And then milkmen, of course, the whole reason why milkmen would make daily deliveries or semi-daily deliveries is because there was no way for the average person to keep milk cold at their house. So they would have to get smaller quantities and measured doses on a routine repeat basis. There were people called lectors, and essentially this was back in, you know, early 1900s probably, where factory workers would be doing this very repetitive, menial work, and they didn't really have entertainment or radio or things that were in the factory to entertain them or keep their minds occupied while they did this boring-ass shit. So there would be someone called a lector whose job it was to just sit on a really high chair up above everyone and read out of the newspaper or read, like, literature to them. That's what a lector did. We had switchboard operators and typesetters. So before you could just digitally manufacture text for printing, people had to actually lay out for newspapers, books, etc. Every individual letter and word in a typeset, ink those letters, press the paper down to transfer the text onto the page, do that for as many copies as you needed, and then start working on the next page, change the typesetting, and then switchboard operators back you know, in early days of phone, If you wanted to connect to somebody, you couldn't just dial a phone number. You had to pick up the phone. You would immediately be connected to a switchboard operator, and then you would have to tell them who you wanted to speak to, and they would move all these wires around and connect your call to that person's call.
The last really weird old job that I want to discuss is someone that was called a flatulist. And yes, it's exactly what it sounds like. It was someone that was used to entertain crowds with their farts and their ability to pretty much fart on demand. In fact, some of them were considered to be like celebrities because of their talent. One of these major massive flatulist celebrities was called Roland the Farter. And he was well known for performing for King Henry II's royal court every single year. And after several years of doing these performances, King Henry II was so impressed with Roland the Farter's abilities that he gifted him 30 acres of land in a giant manor to live in. So now let's look at a quick breakdown rundown of jobs that exist because of technology and progress. So earlier I mentioned here's a bunch of jobs that pretty much don't exist, but these are jobs that, you know, 50 years ago, if you would have told people this was a title that someone held, they'd be like, what? So first off, obviously anything computer related, like a coder, a web designer, a digital marketing specialist, a computer repairman, or someone who builds computers, bloggers, podcasters. Hey, that's like you, Jeff. Content creators on all of these stupid social media platforms. And then, of course, since the invention of flight, we have pilots, drone pilots, airport employees. These weren't needed 120 years ago. We have car salesmen. I mean, when the car was first invented, there was really no need for a car salesman because there weren't really multiple models. You were just buying a Model A, Model T. You had two choices. But now, of course, we have all these different brands, multiple dealerships, used cars, new cars. So that's a relatively newer in the last century or less type of job. But let's go back to what I talked about earlier with automation and technology. You now have the ability to buy a car online, like websites like Carvana or even one of the biggest local dealerships here in central Ohio, Rikert. I hear them on their advertisements on the radio all the time saying, hey, don't want to leave your house during the big game this Saturday? Get on Rikert online and shop for your car and we'll have it delivered to you. I would never buy a car online. I want to test drive that some bitch. I want to sit in it. I want to see how it feels, see how it looks, see how it handles. Anyone who buys a car online, you're a weirdo. A lot of maintenance workers as far as like tech goes, those are all new jobs like a refrigerator repairman. Remember I said milkmen and ice cutters, those were jobs that existed because refrigeration didn't. But now that you have these new devices, you have to have people who are able to fix them like HVAC units, hot water heaters. Think about the Geek Squad. There was no need for anybody like this 50 to 100 years ago. Here's a big one and a relatively new one. Vape store employees. They've kind of taken over where the video store employees left off because now vaping is such a big thing that on pretty much every other strip mall in America, there's a vape store. Some of them have two. But that is very new, very recent, and 100% specific to technological advancement. Let's not forget, like DoorDash, Uber, all of that stuff, very much dependent and only 
only existing recently because of advances in technology. All right, so now let's talk about just some odd jobs that exist out there today. So the first one I have for you is a full-time Netflix viewer. What? This is a real job, and the job of this person is to watch all of Netflix's content before it's released to ensure that the programming has been correctly tagged. So that way they're positive that it has the correct genre on it and that when they make a suggestion to you or try and put it in a category, they know that a human being has confirmed this. I'm guessing the person or persons that hold this job might have a little bit of a weight problem. In Southeast Asia, it is actually very common to hire what's called a professional mourner. So in that area of the world, it's actually believed that a loud funeral will help the dead travel to the afterlife. And, you know, this helps to reiterate why I think people who are religious are kookaburra. Because that just sounds stupid. But because of this, they end up hiring professional mourners that never even met or knew the person that is having the funeral. And they go there and they're hired to cry and weep loudly during the service to help that person's soul travel to the afterlife. Let's think about film extras. We know that this is something that's pretty common. I mean, every movie or TV show you watch, there's just people in the background that are pretending to be doing something or pretending to be having a conversation, and they're never going to get any kind of credit for the most part in the actual credits of the film or the TV show. But honestly, there are some people that make a living off of doing this. As long as you have a specific look that seems to be able to be used in a variety of different movies and TV shows, you don't really have to be that good of an actor, you don't even necessarily have to be good looking. So if you want to be involved in show business, but you might not be able to be the next Brad Pitt, perhaps you should consider being an extra. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Speaking of extras, one of the ideas that I've had and entertained for a novel is something called the extra. And generally it would, I guess, almost kind of be like a Forrest Gumpy kind of book in regard to that it follows one man's life through all of these different adventures or interactions. And it's essentially just following a professional extra in Hollywood or New York or wherever. And he's just in all of these huge films and TV shows over just decades and decades throughout his entire life. And the story would kind of fictitiously let you see the interactions that he had with a lot of these big actors or actresses, directors, but also getting a chance to kind of see some of the turmoil that goes on in his personal life due to the fact that, you know, at times he would like to break through and not just be an extra, but it seems that that's all he is destined for. And then at the end, spoiler! He would die and then there would be like a posthumous award given to him at like the Oscars and or the Emmys to recognize what a great contribution he made as an extra. If you think that sounds like a cool idea and you want to try and rip that off, unfortunately, I've already recorded the idea and have now publicly released it via the podcast. So technically it is now my IP, my intellectual property. So if I ever see a book like this come out, you will be hearing this segment of this episode when I take you to court, you stealing son of a bitch. 
Here's a weird one. A snake milker. I didn't know snakes had nipples. Well, snake milking is actually referring to their venom, not actually getting milk out of the snake. But snake venom is actually very important in regard to creating snake anti-venom. And apparently it's also used for other medications. I didn't look what medications are using snake venom. But there are people whose sole job is to get the venom out of poisonous snakes. And from what I could tell... It's better and easier to get the highest output of snake milk if the snake is a bit more relaxed. So you got to do this without really freaking the snake out. Listen, snakes, now, now don't you bite. Don't you bite me. I'm going to put, put my toe out there. Don't bite it. Just give it a little snaky lick. Come on. Okay, listen, you could bite it just a little bit, but, but don't put none of your juice in it. Here's a yummy one, a dog food tester. That's right, there are people out there whose job it is to eat dog food and dog treats to see how they taste. Like, they check bones, tinned meat, regular dog food, biscuits. And then their job is to compare it to other brands and also to human food, because they want to make sure that this tastes good to dogs. Which means if you're a dog food tester, not only do you have to test the food of the company you work for, but you have to test their competitor's food to let let them know theirs was better or theirs was worse. Kind of like the Netflix viewer, I'm going to guess the people whose job it is to be a dog food taster might have a little bit of a weight problem. If you're not a regular listener, go back and listen to my episode called Ooh That Smell, where I discuss just general smells and pheromones and a bunch of different stuff like that. But regarding stank and smell, there is a job called an odor judge. And these people are hired to test the effectiveness of odor-eliminating products like mouthwash, deodorant, gonna guess like douche. But their job is to smell people's breath, feet, armpits, perhaps poo nannies in the case of a douche in order to determine if the product is working. This is a horrible, horrible job. I'm going to guess this person does not have a weight problem as they likely do not have an appetite all that often. Next, we have a crime scene cleaner. So this is not really someone that is specifically related to, like, the police or the investigators. What happens is after the police and the investigators go into a crime scene and they collect all of their evidence, well, now they need somebody to come in and clean the scene. So basically, they're cleaning up biohazardous waste, body fluids, blood, human waste, and just other nasty, nasty, nasty shit. In order to become a crime scene cleaner, really all you need is a high school diploma, so not a whole lot of background or resume is required for this role, and it has an average salary of about $45,000 a year. That's not much, people, for the type of thing that they're expecting you to do. If you're willing to go do this job for only $45,000 a year, I'm going to guess you're maybe a little bit of a psychopath and probably leaning a bit more toward the serial killer side of life. Now he places the lotion in the basket. 
Finally, we have an ocularist. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but essentially this is a person whose job it is to fit people for a prosthetic eyeball or eyeballs if they've lost both eyes. They also then create and paint and fabricate the fake eyeballs to maybe match up with the other eye to look as realistically as possible. Back when I was in high school, like my senior year and then maybe a year or two after high school, I knew a guy named Chris and he had a glass eye. I do not remember what had caused him to have a glass eye at whatever point in his life, but I remember he would occasionally take it out almost like a parlor trick and it was fucking gross. So whoever's job it is to have to go in and fit someone's ocular cavity with the right size eyeball and then try and match it up. It's just a weird, weird job. I'm sure it pays well, but it's weird. I do want to clarify that nowadays prosthetic eyes typically not made of glass. Back in the day, they were absolutely glass eyes. That's where the term comes from. But nowadays they're pretty much made of like a hard plastic acrylic material. I know there's going to be a bunch more odd jobs out there, but not any that I really felt were worth discussing on this episode. You know, speaking of job security, that's something, you know, especially when we look at tech taking over and like I mentioned, what was it, 800 million people losing their jobs by 2030 due to automation and technology. But if you want like real job security, I'm going to tell you there's pretty much like three areas that you want to be involved in. Number one, anything related to death or funerals, because guess what? People are always going to die. The only way this job loses its job security or goes away is in the event of like a zombie apocalypse where dead bodies are just being immediately burned or left to rot or just left to turn into more zombies. Obviously, like medicine and pharmaceutical jobs or things in that industry, again, short of some major apocalypse, people are always going to need medicine and pharmaceuticals, at least the way that things are happening right now. So that is a very much of a job security. It's kind of the flip side of the death type of jobs where it's pre-death, trying to keep you from dying, but just in case we don't do that, go see my buddy over at the funeral parlor. The last one I would say is relevant to having a lot of job security would be anything real estate related. And I know there's always like different bubbles. The bubble's gonna pop! And yes, home market values will fluctuate, but it doesn't change the fact that as long as people are alive and there's no massive apocalypse, people are going to need a place to live. People are going to want to move. You know, right now you might say, well, people are always going to need cars, are they? I mean, we're going to have like essentially flying cars or drones or things like that at some point in the future. So I wouldn't bank on that industry 100% as having absolute foreseeable job security. So funerals and death, medicine and pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals and real estate. Those would be the three biggest areas that I would say if you're involved in anything like that, you probably have a lifetime worth of job security ahead of you. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Thank you everybody for continuing to tune in. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeff. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jeff. I am happy to help you with your inquiry. First, please rate your experience with BigBlackCox.com on a scale of no pleasure to explosive orgasm. Please wash your hands before entering your response. Good night. <laughs> Oh.
Went to the devil and I prayed And I showed him the mess that I've made And I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over But the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire And said can you turn the heat a little higher Cause I've been burned and I've been burned a million times over But he just covered me with water So I went to the Lord of the sea He said won't you come wash over me I'm going 